Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us, letting us be part of your day. We hope it's a good day for you. Lots going on, although a lot of the uh, deadlines and decisions we've been expecting coming up in the next few days have been kind of pushed back some because of the services this week for former President uh, Bush. Uh, but um, we're starting to hear some people commenting on the farm bill, like Secretary Purdue, like uh, House Ranking member colin peterson so we're starting to get some information we're going to talk about that we'll talk about trade we're still trying to get some more information coming out of that g20 meeting we'll talk with brian keel executive director of farmers for free trade we'll talk with steve nicholson with rabo uh, to get market reaction to what's going on and also we have those uh, epa numbers for the rfs for next year We'll talk about that with Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. So lots to talk about today. We'll start it off with Chris Clayton. He's the Ag Policy Editor for DTN, joins us from the DTN Ag Summit in Chicago. Chris, thanks for joining us. Sounds like you're having a good meeting, some good speakers there. Uh, Also kind of getting some uh, thoughts from the administration on the farm bill. What are you hearing? Yeah, thanks for having me on this morning, Mike. Uh, Agriculture Secretary uh, Purdue uh, spoke uh, to us yesterday. Um, most of his discussion really oriented around some of these trade issues that uh, you're talking about, but uh, he did uh, briefly discuss the Farm Bill. And um, probably most importantly, just wanted to see see it get done. And uh, he indicated, you know, that the biggest issues, uh, you know, protecting uh, the farm safety net are are dealt with seemed a little more discouraged perhaps on uh, that maybe we're not going to see some of these changes on SNAP and maybe also not going to get fully what they would like to see on uh, the forestry title as well. But uh, overall, just, uh, you know, waiting for uh, Congress to uh, take some action. Yeah, it kind of sounds like uh, their approach is they'll, they'll try to deal with some of the SNAP issues, some of those other things outside of the farm bill. Yeah, you know, the secretary has some authority to uh, manage that um, and deal with uh, some of the waiver authorities on um, SNAP. Um, You know, it's the thing that everybody, uh, at least uh, some people are fixated on, seeing some of these uh, changes to uh, um, income levels and uh, on SNAP and uh, also uh, the um, uh, able-bodied people without dependents. Um, I, I think maybe it gets a little over-dramatized because, uh, you know, part of some of the reason you have some of these people on SNAP is there are states also with uh, very low, uh, you know, minimum wage. Minimum wages have been increased federally. The states that have higher minimum wages, I think you find they're actually people able to wean themselves off SNAP a little more. Um, so all those issues get kind of tied in there. Meanwhile, a lot of conversation about trade coming out of the G20 meeting and, and what was decided or what uh, you know was said during the meeting, especially when it comes to China. Uh, there's some speculation about soybean sales, but we really don't know. Uh, tariffs, you know, they had a they talked about a truce, but not really any details on lifting current uh, uh, tariffs. 
Did Secretary Purdue uh, shed any light on that? Um, you know, he kind of had the, uh, the position. He's optimistic, but still waiting to see some real action. And part of the problem with what's going on there with China, for instance, is that most of the lead Chinese officials, uh, President Xi and his cadre, were still well, they're still on tour, more or less. They're still visiting some other countries. They haven't fully gotten back to China, so uh, there's no real green light from uh, the lead Chinese officials in terms of uh, allowing soybean uh, buys. And I think that even if the the tariff remained, if basically if they got a green light from the Chinese government, there would be some buying from China, but that still has not been decided, partially because uh, these Chinese leaders are still uh, on tour of themselves, meeting with uh, leaders from other countries. Chris, what are you hearing as already we're starting to see some lines drawn, some positions taken on the new U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement? That That's a looming battle in 2019. Yeah, it is. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens if uh, President Trump follows through on the idea of withdrawing from the old NAFTA, which uh, I think is very plausible. Uh, it will force Congress to move ahead faster, hold hearings faster, uh, and put it to a vote. There's some risk there. Um, it would be very uh, disruptive, obviously, if uh, we withdrew from NAFTA and then the House, for some reason, actually could not drum up the votes to uh Pass the new uh, U.S. Uh, MCA. There's also the other aspect of this is these these tariffs on steel and aluminum that remain. And uh, you know, Secretary Purdue talked about that as well. That's just a real push he wants to see is we got to get rid of these tariffs on steel and aluminum because the retaliatory tariffs coming from Mexico and Canada are affecting our ag trade as well. Yeah, uh, for all the hope and optimism, things are going to get better. There's still some issues that are not resolved, and we can't overlook that. Uh, Along those lines, I guess uh, USDA is still planning on uh, that second round of uh, payments to help uh, producers deal with these uh, trade issues. What are you hearing there? Well, that was kind of interesting because initially USDA had indicated we would see something around December 3rd with yesterday. We thought we would hear more from Purdue on that. Um, and he indicated that the rule or the uh, the uh, allowance of these trade uh, payments right now is at the White House Office of Management and Budget. And there seem to be maybe some uh, discrepancies between what maybe USDA is planning to do and what the White House OMB would like to see. Uh, I'm sure that revolves around price and cost, uh, but Purdue seemed to indicate that later this week or early next week, there would be more of an announcement uh, on those payments. I think perhaps the USDA was trying to make some changes to allow people who've had disasters to collect these payments because they're based on production we know what happened, certainly, with uh, the hurricanes and cotton and some of these other things. So I think that that uh, is playing into this somehow. 
A lot happening, a lot going on, and uh, some interesting news there coming out of your DTN Ag Summit in Chicago. Chris, thanks for uh, stepping out and being with us here on our program today. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Mike, and have a great uh, rest of the week, all right? You, You too. Take care. Chris Clayton, he's the Ag Policy Editor for DTN. Some interesting comments yesterday from uh, House Ranking Member Colin Peterson about the Farm Bill saying he hopes there's uh, enough in there to help farmers through these uh, tough times, but he's not sure there is. He's uh, He has a lot of concern about that, so uh, we'll be talking more about that in the days to come as they continue to try to push that Farm Bill forward. Everything kind of on hold right now for this week uh, with the services for former President Bush. All right, stay with us. Much more to come here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. I can't believe he found them. He seems sorry. We very clearly told him not to look up there. I'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it. Right? What, did he balance on that big chair? Yeah, I mean, I guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year. I really thought we had hidden them well. If they can find their presence, they can find a gun. 911, what is your emergency? Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and Family Fire. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. You're going to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. 
Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we continue to try to sort through all these trade stories. There's, it, it has a feeling like a lot's happening, but yet when you really sift through it, you realize a lot of it's, you know, hope or maybes or we think we're headed towards it, but, you know, not really done yet. So let's kind of continue to sort through that with Brian Keel, Executive Director of Farmers for Free Trade. Brian, thanks for joining us. Your thoughts, your reactions to what came out of the G20 meeting, at least what we know at this point. Well, thanks for having me on, Mike. So, so there were obviously two, two big announcements this uh, weekend. One was on USMCA or the U- U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, which is sort of NAFTA 2.0 or maybe NAFTA 1.2. It's, it's better than NAFTA marginally, but it's, it's the new NAFTA. Uh, so that was the first agreement uh, that Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. signed, uh, which was great. The second came out of the dinner between uh, Donald Trump and, uh, and Xi of China, and that was an agreement to hold off on raising, that the U.S. would hold off on raising tariffs on China from 10% to 25% on January 1, which had been a, a threat for a big tranche of tariffs. Um, both are both are good things, you know. Uh, we're happy to see USMCA moving forward. We want to get NAFTA uh, finalized and passed through Congress so, uh, so that that's stabilized and farmers can count on it. So that's a good thing. And the idea that China and the U.S. are stepping back, even just incrementally, uh, from the brink of this trade war, that's a good thing. I think we'd argue neither goes far enough. There's a lot of work to do, uh, but both work steps in the right direction. Yeah, now let's let's look at the USMCA. Um, with the battle lines are kind of being drawn, and positions are already, we're starting to hear some positions being taken some opposition to it, some criticism of it. The president uh, has that threat of pulling out of NAFTA if Congress doesn't pass the New Deal. I mean, there's still some uh, choppy waters ahead for this. There are. And, and you know, the other piece that you, you didn't mention just now in the rundown is there's still the steel and aluminum tariffs that the U.S. put on Canada and Mexico. Um, those are significant because they caused Canada and Mexico to retaliate against U.S. ag products, so pork, cheese, beef, processed food, um, a, dairy, a lot of dairy. A lot of items are subject to tariffs right now because of that. And so if you think about it this way, if, if we just had NAFTA and took away the steel and aluminum tariffs, that was, that was a great situation. The status quo was very good for U.S. agriculture. We were selling a lot of product to both countries. Uh, there are two largest trading partners. So we like the status quo. USMCA is a little bit better than the status quo. It, it has bells and whistles around the edges. It's not dramatically different, but all things equal, we'd take it if, if it was offered. Um, but if you add on the 232 steel and aluminum tariffs and the retaliation, that's worse than NAFTA. That's worse than the USMCA because we're subject to a lot of tariffs. So where we got to get to, we want to try to get to USMCA without these steel and aluminum tariffs in place. And the, the challenge is to get there, you got to go through Congress. And as you just mentioned, President Trump's threatening that he might pull us out of NAFTA as a way of increasing leverage to get his USMCA deal. 
that's that's playing poker. Maybe maybe a more apt analogy is playing chicken on a road in, in two pickup trucks. You know, you're hoping the other guy swerves first, but there is a scenario where NAFTA collapses, and that would be devastating for U.S. agriculture. So a lot still on the line there. We're talking with Brian Keel, executive director of the uh, Farmers for Free Trade Coalition. Okay, let's turn our attention to China. And that coming out of the G20, we had the announcement, no new tariffs, but no talk about taking off the tariffs that are in place. And then there's this hope, you know, there's some vague reference to China's going to buy more ag products and not really specifics there. The hope is soybeans will be among those products they're going to start buying again. National Economic Council Director Larry Kudlow saying he expects China to drop its retaliatory tariffs on U.S. ag commodities very soon in order to boost imports as promised. But we haven't really heard anything officially from China. Right. I mean, I this, this, this all sounds too strikingly familiar to the deal with Europe that, that the administration announced months ago. You know, you remember they said, we're not going to do new tariffs, and Europe's going to buy a bunch of our ag products. Well, there's really no deal in place for Europe to buy ag products. Europe started buying some soybeans, but that's only because all the Brazilian beans were being shipped to China, and so so Europe had to backfill, so they bought some soybeans, obviously not enough to make up for the downfall of, of our soybean market in China. We worry that's what's going on here. You know, the Chinese agreement coming out of the G20 made no mention of buying agricultural products. That was just in the U.S. statement. And it's hard to understand how China would increase purchases of agricultural products if these tariffs on our ag products stay in place. I mean, there's tariffs on U.S. soybeans right now. That's why the soybean trade is down by 96%. Um, if those tariffs stay in place, why would we expect China would start buying soybeans? And why would we expect China would remove those tariffs until the whole trade war de-escalates, which is obviously what we do want to see. I mentioned this yesterday. I'm trying not to look at these things as glass half empty. I mean, we'd rather look at it as half full. But, I mean, we've been down this road before. Expectations get raised, and then we don't see things follow through. So I, I find myself uh, cautiously optimistic. Well, that's, and that's the word we've used on a number of fronts. I mean, I, I think with respect to USMCA, Farmers for Free Trade, it's pretty clear what we're going to do. We're going to put our weight and muscle and organize as hard as we can to get USMCA through Congress. So you're going to see us at ag conventions. We were at Illinois Farm Bureau, Wisconsin Farm Bureau, Missouri Farm Bureau, New York Farm Bureau, and that's just in the last three days. So we're going to be everywhere we can be pushing to get people to understand why USMCA is important and that we want to support President Trump and get that bill through Congress without triggering a withdrawal, and we want to get rid of the steel and aluminum tariffs. So that's that's kind of a no-brainer in terms of what we need to be doing. China's harder um, because it's so complex and there's so many layers to it. I think I think we want to ask that the trade war be de-escalated. You know, we're doing long-term damage to our soybean farmers. This is not uh, this is not a light switch that gets turned on and off. Um, we're losing market share, and and a lot of long-term damage has already been done. So we can't afford to have this drag into into 2019. You know, when we look at that uh, vote that will take place sometime next year on USMCA, we know the Congress will be uh, a different Congress. Uh, some are already reacting to the president's threats of uh, pulling out of NAFTA. Uh, 
it's going to be interesting to see how that battle plays out and uh, what voices uh, are the loudest and which ones are heard in, in the debate. It is, yeah. I mean, you've got all sorts of dynamics. The, 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 the cross-currents are really complex. You've got, on the one hand, you know, you've got Democrats, some of whom are saying the labor provisions aren't strong enough, or, uh, you know, I'm sure some of them don't like it because it's a President Trump priority. You know, on the other hand, you got a group of Republicans who say they don't like it because they think it gives special protection to gay and lesbians. And you're like, okay, well, like, come on, everybody, let's let's keep our eye on the prize, which is trade and the ability to, to boost our economy. And uh, NAFTA, you know, NAFTA was a, a home run for the United States, certainly for U.S. agriculture. Uh, we've done so well under NAFTA, and uh, and it really really is going to be devastating if anything happens to, to jeopardize that. Meanwhile, we kind of wait to see, you know, we, we kind of get teased with the possibility of talks with, with Japan and maybe some kind of deal there and some other countries, but uh, still waiting to hear more on that. Well, right, and, you know, what's really concerning there and, and in the EU, you know, you keep hearing this notion that, well, maybe ag shouldn't be on the table. Well, come on, guys. I mean, the, the whole point of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which President Trump pulled us out of his third day in office, it created a it created a trading block of 12 countries, including the U.S., so all the Pacific Rim nations except for China. And it would have dramatically increased ag exports. I mean, Farm Bureau did, a, did an analysis that I said I think it was like a $4 billion increase annually in ag purchases. I mean, it was a significant boost to our economy. Um, we pulled out of that deal. We're now trying to do bilateral deals with Japan. Well, if we're going to do a bilateral deal with Japan, it better darn well have ag front and center. Otherwise, what's the point? Because uh, we need to open these markets and, and continue to, to grow our ag economy. So we continue to wait. seems like we've been doing that for a long time. Uh, it seems like we've had a lot of trade news here, but uh, it, it's lacking the details that we continue to wait for. Right. No, I think your leading to this to this piece is exactly right. There's there's a lot of a lot of noise. It seems like a lot's happening, but when you peel it back and look at it, you know we're largely in the same position we were four months ago, and uh, mm-hmm. and that's not good for ag because we're boy we're taking it on the chin on a lot of fronts. You know we still got the the, the NAFTA uncertainty. We have increased steel and aluminum costs for grain bins, for tractors, for fencing. Uh, we've got deep depressed. De- de- commodity prices because of this whole trade war, global trade war. And we're doing long-term damage to our farmers and the future of, of agriculture in the U.S. I mean, it's it's not a rosy scenario where we are right now. So we're, we're hoping that we'll move to a better place. Yeah, like you say, we're, we're trying to sort through all the, the noise and the clutter and find out what's, what's uh, really happening and uh, where we're at. So we'll keep a close watch on it. Brian, as always, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Mike. Have a good day now. Take care. Brian Keel, Executive Director of Farmers for Free Trade. How are the markets reacting to all this? We'll talk with Steve Nicholson, Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst for Rabo AgriFinance, next on AOA. Over the holiday season, you know there are so many pleas out there for assistance from one organization or another. All of them do good work. We're asking you not to forget us. Every child deserves a little Christmas. Every year since 1947, the U.S. Marine Corps Reserve Toys for Tots program has been out there collecting toys for millions of deserving children, children who otherwise would go without at this most joyous time of year. 
The Toys for Tots website is the starting point to find one of our campaign sites. It's toysfortots.org. That's really simple. Toysfortots.org. All one word. Toysfortots.org. There you'll be able to find out how to donate directly to a local campaign or register for assistance. Toysfortots.org. All you need to remember, toysfortots.org. Delivering hope since 1947. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. In the grain and oil seed sector, we've got positive signs in front of the changes for corn and soybeans on this Tuesday day session. Saw some minus signs overnight, more minus signs on the day trade in the wheats. President Trump agreeing to hold off on plans to raise tariffs on $200 billion in Chinese goods, which were supposed to kick in on January 1st. In return, China supposedly agreeing to buy a very substantial amount of agricultural, energy, and industrial products from the U.S. While the truce has the potential to steady numbers through the end of the year, the country still need to hammer out a lasting trade deal. Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue telling farmers attending that DTN Ag Summit that he is optimistic coming out of the weekend G20 talks, but he also acknowledged that significant retaliatory tariffs by Canada, China, and Mexico remain in place against U.S. agricultural products. January soybeans an hour into the day, up five and three quarters at 9.11 and a half. The bulls left a big gap on the charts yesterday from 8.96 and a half to 9.04 and a half. That is now key support. In corn, March at 3.83 and a quarter, up a penny and a quarter. Corn bulls face major multi-month resistance at 390 and a half to 390 the October 15th and November 8th highs in the wheats narrow mix in Chicago marched down a fraction at 520 and a half Minneapolis wheat two and a fraction lower Kansas City marched down four and a quarter at 502 and a quarter cent for livestock at the American live cattle futures an early mix December live cattle up 25 at 11715 feeders 72 a dollar seven lower Lean hogs 50 to 95 lower. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, so we're talking a lot about the trade, the possibility, the hope of uh, things opening back up with China, but waiting for details. Let's look at it from a market perspective. Steve Nicholson, grain and oil seeds analyst for Rabo AgriFinance, joining us. Steve, thanks for being with us. Uh, 
How do the markets view what's come out of the G20 meeting and what we're hearing uh, from administration officials? Yes, good morning, Mike. Good to be with you again. Well, obviously the markets have looked at this positive, and I, I think the, the, there's a couple things coming out of this that the markets are looking at. Is One is there's obviously hope that, you know, there is, you know, a, a light at the end of the tunnel. I think the other thing, too, is, and I, it, as silly as this sounds, and I think it's, I think this is where the hope comes from, is the fact that the two, the two sides are, are talking. And, and I think that's always a good thing. I think we could go back through, you know, many years of, of the Cold War. We could go back through many trade talks. We could go back through many different, you know, adversarial relationships the United States has had. And the fact that the two parties talking is a, is a good news. And I, I think the other thing that, and, and I haven't, and I, this was reported in the New York Times this morning, so um, I have not seen it other spots and I have not seen it on other news outlets, but there was chatter, and, and as we know, and, and as your, in the market report alluded, there's a lot of details we don't know and a lot of things that seem a little confusing right now. But, you know, Robert Leitheiner has been appointed to be the, you know, be the negotiator at this point, and that kind of puts the Treasury Secretary out of the, out of the, out of the mix in some ways, uh, and also Peter Navarro out of the mix, and is that, you know, I think, as we've been told, and as we talked about last time, we got a chance to visit, you know, with with him in, you know, in the in the mix, and going to be there. I think that's a really important uh, uh, development in the sense that that means that you know we're going to get down to business and get some work done here. I'm reading a tweet from President Trump. He says, "I am a tariff man. <laughs> okay. When when people or countries come in to raid the great wealth of our nation, I want them to pay for the privilege." privilege of doing so it will always be the best way to max out our economic power we are right now taking in billions in tariffs make america rich again so uh, he's made it clear that tariffs are the way he wants yep. to negotiate um yep. many in agriculture have a great tool to use or to their benefit so uh, how do you see this playing forward i mean the announcement was no new tariffs but we're still waiting to get rid of the tariffs right. that uh, each country's put on. No, that's exactly right. Um, you know, we've got the fact is, and, and I, I just heard someone just a few minutes ago talk about. You know, the fact is that U.S. and I, was Secretary Purdue, that was it. He was at DTM Ag Summit in, in Chicago mm-hmm. and talked about the fact is that this is good news. We're talking, but it goes back to what you just said, Mike. Is that we're the tariffs are still in place for you know for, for Mexico. Um, also for China, and so U.S. agriculture hasn't benefited from tariffs. And I, I, we probably should just talk. I mean, as an economist, we don't like tariffs because they, they, it's an externality put on open markets that disrupts markets. And, and in this case, as we've seen here in the U.S., and we'll pick on soybeans and pork in particular, and, you know, has really, you know, really dampened the prices. And I'm trying to be diplomatic. Sense that prices have come down, and so thing for would you know could argue any good or service that's traded back and forth between countries or between even between you and me i mean you won't, we don't want to put a tariff we want to decide what's the value of the product or service we're buying and then you know and then we'll then you will pay me for that service or i'll pay you for that good and then in exchange i'll get that good and so you put a tariff on that it disrupts the whole process and i and i think that's what's really got in the craw of agriculture and i think in particularly and also in the in the craw of agriculturists or agriculture economists and economists is that this is not helping the economy and you know you just look at what's happened with nafta and the growth in the mexican economy the growth in the in the canadian economy and the growth of the u.s economy and how that is 
added job, you know, has added not only money to the economy, but added jobs to the economy. And tariffs are not doing that. They're doing just the opposite. We're talking with Steve Nicholson with uh, Robbo. Let, Steve, let's, uh, let's use a baseball analogy. Coming out of the G20 meeting, yep. was it a, a single that we hope stretches into a double? Or are we just are we disappointed we didn't get a home run, but uh, at least we didn't strike out? I mean, how, how do we characterize what's happening so far with this? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a great, great way to start it. I think it was a bit of a – I think we got a walk and we're still walking to first base because we don't know exactly what this walk's going to mean in the end. We don't know if that's going to mean we just get to second base or do we get a do we get you know we get around and score a run on this. You know, there's been lots of things. I've seen lots of different quotes in that. You know, we just kind of kicked the can down the road 90 days. Uh, we've also it's you know we didn't have a breakthrough, but we didn't have a breakdown. Um, so I would characterize it we're kind of on. We got a walk. And we're now walking to first base and trying to figure out what does that mean for us down the road? Do we get a do we get a run out of this or not? And I think that's the the other confusing thing about this. And and this has been a characteristic um, of the administration in, in in lots of different policy issues. Is that we get a policy pronouncement? We and this one we didn't get a lot of details. And on top of that, there's confusion of what those details are. Um, you know the the, the administration. Is the what did happen with autos? There's a lot of confusion, and then to add that the confusion, you know, the Chinese put out their meeting was like, and you you kind of wonder if they I think we're all a little confused as to where this is going to go forward. So that's why I think we're we got to walk. At least to show some progress forward, um, and see where it goes. You know, see what happens from there. So I think it's going to be a fast. Okay. It's going to be a furious ninety days. Let's say that the markets, the traders, in are the official scorers. How are they scoring this yep. moving forward with corn and soybean prices? Well, I think they're scoring it now. This is good that there wasn't anything came out of her. Didn't wasn't a breakdown, and I think they're scoring this as a hope. Is that this is in a pathway or we found a pathway and we're going to start serious discussions to move forward and get these tariffs removed and so that U.S. soybeans, for example, can get can start moving to, to China. Now, I, you know, I hate to put a damper, but, you know, the concern is that, you know, by the time you get 90 days, and let's think, and there is some concern, does this start December 1? Does it start December 1? Does it start January 1? But even if we consider... Let's start in January 1, and soon the 90 days ends at the end of February. And let, let's just assume then also that we get the tariffs removed on U.S. soybeans, and U.S. soybeans can then flow to, start flowing to, um, to China. Well, the bad news about that is that, you know, at that point, when you get to the end of February, you're already starting to see Brazilian soybeans harvested. And, you know, assuming normal weather, they're looking to have a pretty good-sized crop. So now you have not only the U.S. crop that hasn't been moved, and you have a Brazilian crop, a brand-new Brazilian crop that needs to be moved, and where do the Chinese go from there? And it's going to boil down a lot to price. Just, you know, what is the U.S. price versus the Brazilian price? And so we know Brazilian price has been higher. So when you look from a timing standpoint, you know, that's a little bit challenging, too, to the market is that, you know, they'll have Brazilian beans on the market ready to go as well. So 
And, and if U.S. beans are available, that is going to put pressure down or pressure on Brazilian prices to compete. So it, the timing could be a little bit better for U.S. soybeans, but it does give hope that we are going to get something done and get this and move and get, you know, get off dead center and get this moving. And the more optimistic, or I guess we could say the more bullish of those <laughs> observers of this are saying, hey, that's in the works. It's about to happen. They're going to be buying our soybeans again here anytime soon. Um and let's hope that's the case, right? I mean, if that starts happening, yeah. then then what are we looking at? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's – I'm probably not quite that hopeful. Um, you know, the Chinese are, as, as many listeners know, the Chinese are extremely – their view is very long. Uh, we in the U.S., of course, are very impatient folks. Um, the Chinese have a very long view of this, and they'll they'll, you know, they'll take care of it. You know, if we do see that, I definitely, you know, we definitely look at markets, we look at prices going up um, because you do see the potential to see U.S. soybeans going, you know, moving offshore, moving to China. Now, I, the other caution, though, is that I did, did look at this over the weekend and looked at looked at our um, a price curve where you're looking at price versus stocks to use ratio. And the fact is that the U.S. was such a huge, huge, huge um, ending stocks number for 1819. That, you know, prices on in, in the futures market is are really trading the fundamentals of you know huge stocks going forward. So that's you know already ground in um, a look. You look at USDA at 1.9 billion bushel you know exports for next year. So that's still you know that is below versus a year ago. It's below two billion bushels, and I think we'd rather have it above two billion bushels. So the fact is, you still have a very bearish fundamental picture that we have to you know can't put in the background and think, oh boy, once we get the Chinese thing, this will all be done. We still got a lot of soybeans to move, and I think that's the other thing that's a little bit worrisome down the road is that people get pretty excited that oh boy we're going back to ten dollar beans, and and when we look at our numbers, you know that's it's more fact that we futures uh, or we look at national average price is going to be you know someplace between that nine and nine fifty versus eight fifty to nine dollars, but the fact is it's still not going to be you know we're not going back to numbers we saw a year you know a year ago at this time. Or and I think we saw uh, a year ago at this time. Right, and I think we're all kind of just waiting to hear something from China, from China, uh, to officially yeah. say what they're thinking, and we're, we still have not heard that as of yet. All right, Steve, thanks a lot. Appreciate you taking yep. time for being with us. No problem. Take care, Steve Nicholson, grain and oil seeds analyst for Rabo Agrifinance. So, uh, you know, a lot of hope, a lot of uh, opportunity here. We think we're getting close, but we're still waiting for those final details. And a word that uh, actually that trade with China is open up. We're we're selling uh, ag products, especially soybeans, back there again. And in the meantime, these tariffs uh, are still hurting our ag exports, uh, not only with China but with Canada, Mexico as well. Uh, all right, we've got some numbers from EPA on the RFS levels for next year, but uh, we know that uh, there's still that waiver issue. And how much do those numbers? really mean. We're going to talk about it with the CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol, Brian Jennings, coming up next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture.
What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter bankruptcy or divorce it just doesn't matter as a matter of fact your job is your ticket to your new vehicle we're auto credit express and we've helped thousands of people just like you antonio h told us great company got me connected and the day i went in i drove off in the car i wanted 100 percent worth your time need a car get started now and drive off as early as today just go to 11 ignoremyscore.com right now that's www.11ignoremyscore.com auto financing the easy way 11ignoremyscore.com get started today 
Auto financing the easy way. If you suffer from heartburn or other digestive-related disorders, then there is a new, safe, better, and natural alternative to better digestive wellness and heartburn relief. Praxid not only provides relief of heartburn, but Praxid takes a 360-degree approach to support better digestion, protect you from harmful bacteria, and also balance your stomach to improve digestive functions. We like to think of it as the multivitamin of digestive health. It's the only product to combine all natural ingredients known for the digestive health properties into a single patented product. Praxid also comes in easy-to-carry packs. Praxid relieves, restores, and maintains a healthy digestive system. Praxid is available here for only $39.95. Shipping and handling is free, and your money back is guaranteed. To take advantage of this special radio offer, call now, 1-800-829-5705. That's 1-800-829-5705. Again, 1-800-829-5705. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, so EPA has released the uh, numbers for the uh, uh, RBO levels for 2019. And I'm just thinking, back in the day, um, EPA was usually late with these numbers, so there's an improvement. They get them out on time now. But back in the day, we thought we knew what those numbers meant. Now we're left wondering and scratching our head because of what we know now about RFS waivers and how those could continue on and change these numbers. Let's talk about it with Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. Brian, thanks for joining us. Your reaction to the numbers from EPA? Well, it's always a pleasure to join you, Mike, and I, ha- I have to admit I got a little grin on my face when you talked about back in the day because I, <laughs> I think I, I know where you were going with that. You and I have talked about this enough. Yep. We, we think that this is a good start on paper, right? It's an increase for cellulosic biofuel, a fairly meaningful increase. It's an increase for advanced biofuel. It's an increase in total renewable fuel for 2019. And on paper, it maintains the 15 billion gallons that is so important to us on the conventional side, which is typically filled by corn ethanol. But, of course, um, you know there's a but, and the but is the reality of these small refinery waivers, which we've talked about ever since Scott Pruitt uh, sort of helped refineries get this backdoor opportunity to escape their responsibilities under the RFS. As long as EPA does nothing, to rectify that situation, meaning reallocate those waived gallons, more than 2 billion gallons worth, to the remaining refiners in the system so that the overall obligations are met. Uh, we, we don't have confidence that 2019 um, is going to turn out any better for us on, on the RFS side. We have to see some remedy from this EPA in order to, to tell you and our members and and others that, that we have confidence in these numbers. Yeah, so we really don't know. But we what we do know is we're not going to get back the lost gallons, right? They're not going to reallocate. Well, we know, Mike, that they, they claim they cannot because they retroactively granted the exemptions, meaning after the the volume obligation deadline was came and gone. EPA decided after that point in time to say, okay, we're going to exempt you. 
So what they did is just let these refiners keep these RINs. And that's why we're sitting on more than 3 billion gallons of RINs in terms of a stockpile. And that's why in the last year, ethanol RIN values have collapsed by somewhere between 85 and 90 percent. So the, the only other thing I would add to your question or comment is that I, the ethanol industry is not giving up on reallocating the gallons. We've got a couple of lawsuits in the pipeline, as you know. And we also hope we have some leverage over Mr. Wheeler, who is currently the acting administrator of EPA. He presumably wants that job full-time, and the president wants him to have that job full-time. That will require him to go through the Senate confirmation process, and I am hopeful that senators will hold his feet to the fire on, hey, how, Mr. Wheeler, do you intend to remedy this um, situation going forward? Yeah, I should have said uh, they're not going to reallocate pending being forced to do so, which uh, which could happen yet. So uh, we'll wait and see on that. We're talking with Brian Jennings, uh, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. Brian, wanted to get your thoughts on this. Uh, we hear so much about 2022, and I think a lot of people think, well, that's the end of the RFS. What do we have to do? Get a new one, start all over. Uh, really, the RFS continues on, but how do you see the RFS beyond 2022? It gets it gets very cloudy. Um, one thing to clarify, just to put even a finer point on on the point you made, Mike, the RFS absolutely does not sunset. It does not end. It does not expire after 2022. Um, it requires the statute requires EPA to issue volumes beyond 2022 without any sunset whatsoever. Um, but they have new criteria upon which they need to set those volumes. It's going to mean uh, beyond that point in time, Mike, that the volumes for cellulosic and advanced uh, biofuel are going to be consider considerably smaller than what the original statute outlined. Um, we will get a sneak preview, frankly, Mike, of what the post-2022 world is going to look like when EPA embarks upon the reset of the volumes for the years 2020 through 2022. And this gets a bit technical, but the, the reset has been triggered because they've reduced substantially the volumes in the past for cellulosic in advance, and now total has triggered a reset. So the same criteria EPA will use and process to determine what the volumes will be for 2020 through 2022 will be what they do beyond 2022. So we're going to get a good feel for at least how this EPA intends to handle that. And meanwhile, we've heard officials say and they're going to get E15 approved for summer use by June 1st. Uh, they're saying the right things, but boy, they're not giving themselves much margin for error. They aren't. And, uh, you know, you commented on how um, back in the day EPA notoriously missed deadlines, and so I got pretty darn cynical about EPA because of that. I have to admit that uh, under this president, this EPA uh, has met the statutory deadlines regarding the, the RFS, and they've, they've pretty firmly promised that they will have this read vapor pressure rulemaking, which is a big deal and it will get very involved, but they think they'll have it done in time for the June 1st driving season. Um, we sure would like to see them speed up the process 
uh, because I guess given my history with EPA, I am cynical. But we're also, you know, going to take them at their word. And and that's another thing, frankly, senators can hold um, acting administrator Wheeler's feet to the fire on during the confirmation process is making sure that he fulfills the promise to get this done well, legally defensible, um, but also done on time. Yep. Uh, we've heard a lot of these things before. We just want to see the action uh, actually back up the words. Brian, as always, good to talk with you. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Mike. Take care. CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol, Brian Jennings. Coming up tomorrow, more on these topics. Plus, we'll get a report from the Missouri Farm Bureau annual meeting. Their president, Blake Hurst, will join us. And we'll get more on the trade and farm bill and much, much more. Stay here to stay up to date. AOA, Adams on Agriculture. 